Yesterday during the Fannie Willis hearing, we learned that she just had stacks and stacks of cash at her house. Didn't even know where it came from. <laughs> Man, I was, I'm, I'm switching my, I'm switching my registration. I want to be a Democrat. What's up? This is Mark K. Saves the Republic, and we appreciate you being here. There's, there's, there's it's, it's amazing to me how the, all these Democrats have all this money and no actual marketable skills to talk about. You know, it's all of it's this, it's this take and make mentality. I wrote about this earlier today in the Patriot uh, Dispatch, but there's makers and there's takers, and the Democrats always appear to be takers. Fannie Willis who is accusing Donald Trump of trying to steal an election in Fulton County, accusing Donald Trump of trying to manipulate the voting in, in Fulton County so that he could uh, return to the White House as president of the United States. This is a woman who feels like Donald Trump investigating what, what he believed were inconsistencies, abnormalities, potential criminal behavior in an election, in a presidential election, a federal election, which is his, I mean, that's his, that's his whole thing. When you're the chief executive of the United States, your job is to make sure that people don't get away with breaking the law. And I would think that manipulating a presidential election would involve some kind of law breaking. So that was he was just doing his job and she's trying to put him away, not just him, but his lawyers and his advisors and everyone else who worked with him in the White House. All the while, Fannie Willis is taking money from the taxpayers, giving it to her boy toy, uh, going on vacations. And then this was the weirdest part. She claims that she paid him back for many of those cruises and vacations and many of the things that he bought her, the expensive dinners and gifts with cash. Cash that she just casually had laying around her house, thousands of dollars in cash. She would go under her bed mattress or in her shoebox in her closet, wherever it happened to be, and she would give him back the money. Now, this is where it gets weird. He has no, of course, record of this money. <laughs> But it, I mean, look, whenever you're dealing with thousands of dollars in cash, it just seems, you know, who deal? Let's let's think about it. who deals in cash. Drug dealers deal in cash. Okay, prostitutes also deal in cash. People who are trying to avoid paying their taxes deal in cash. Uh, oh, Barack Obama paying Iran pallets full of money. They deal in cash. Terrorists deal in cash because they don't want any record of their, you know, they don't want any record of their of their, uh, of whatever it is that they're purchasing. So when you have a DA paying back her boyfriend for expenditures that were made by his company with his corporate card, that is a client of her office in cash with no record. I mean, it's just, there's just, there's no way out of this that doesn't just reek of, of shadiness and some kind of criminal corruption. Um, but it doesn't matter. She's not on, as she pointed out over and over again, she is not on trial. She wanted everyone to remember the judge, the prosecutor. She wanted everyone to remember, I am not on trial. And she's not. But soon the person she's putting on trial may not be on trial either because it looks like Fannie Willis is headed to her way, uh, on her way to disqualification, which of course is racism. BT dubs. Sorry, Keith. If you look at this whole thing, she's setting up, she's got, you got this black woman who's the DA. You've got this black man who was her special prosecutor. They're in a relationship. They both have lots of money. They both have power and influence and, and cash laying around. They go on trips, yada, yada. They're living the life. Now she's bringing a white man, Donald Trump, and a whole bunch of other white people, uh, Donald Trump's advisors and assistants, up on charges of stealing an election. And, and now that we found out there may be some inappropriate behavior on her part and the part of her special prosecutor, uh, now it's racism because the white judge and the white defense attorneys and the white man she's putting on trial are trying to keep the black woman down. 
it's really interesting. I mean, it's really interesting and very predictable. Uh, but it, but uh, again, it I, there's very rarely can you predict what courts are going to do. Very rarely can you predict what judges are going to decide or juries are going to say when they get back in that room. But there's two things I'm pretty sure of. <laughs> After watching the testimony yesterday, I believe that Fannie Willis will be disqualified from the case against Donald Trump, and that will push the Donald Trump case back even further, if not just dismiss it altogether. That's number one. Number two is. Uh, I believe that Donald Trump will be allowed on all of the ballots in all 50 states when the Supreme Court comes back with their decision about allowing Donald Trump on the ballot in Colorado, where they summarily threw him off for no good reason because he'd committed no crime. Those are the two things that I'm pretty confident in. If either one of those things don't happen, I would be shocked. And the interesting thing about this is the Democrats, the takers, if you will, because again, they don't make anything. They don't make, there's makers and takers. We, uh, you know, in, um, in my new online community for conservatives called the American Conservative Entrepreneur Society, or ACES for short, we talk about being a maker. You make a product, you make a service, you make a piece of creative content, you make an offer to somebody, you do whatever it is. You make something, you sell it to sell it to somebody, you say, hey, look, I have this thing that you probably want and could benefit from. And they go, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Let me give you some money. It's an even trade. Here's this thing that I promised you. Here's the money you promised me. There's no hidden agenda. There's no secrets. There's no not divulging of information. There's no cash under the table. There's no secrecy. There's no, oh, we ho let's hope we don't get caught. It's a, it's a making transaction. I made this for you. You gave me money. Thank you very much. Come back when you want some more. In the Democrat realm, the, uh, the Democrats are takers. They take tax money. They take money from special interest groups. They take money from the stock market. They take, take, take. And instead of, you know, honest transactions, they take this money that they, that is not allotted for them, and then they try to figure out a way to maneuver it and to launder it into their bank accounts so that it seems like they legitimately were given money that they designed and uh, that by design and that they deserved. Perfect example, Joe Biden. And we just have uh, Tony Bobolinsky, who, who uh, gave his testimony the other day. Tony Bobolinsky said Joe Biden was the big man. He got the 10%. And the, and the whole scam was that Hunter Biden would get the money from Ukraine. Joe Biden used his influence to get him the job and to keep him in the job. Then Hunter Biden would funnel the money back to Joe by renting his house for $50,000. They would funnel it through different companies. And then we had the various different loan repayments. You've seen all of those coming from his uh, brother and his sister-in-law. There's all kinds of ways that the money coming from these foreign companies that that were only that these foreign companies were only paying Joe Biden's relatives because they got access to Joe Biden. Joe Biden couldn't get the money directly from China or Ukraine or Burisma or Moscow or or the Middle East or God knows where else he's getting these uh, these influential uh, million dollar payments from. So they gave the money for other areas of interest, other reasons to his family members, and then those family members funneled it back to Joe. Same thing here was going on with Fannie Willis, only on a smaller scale, and instead of it being Ukraine or whatever, she's taking tax money from the taxpayers of Fulton County that she's uh, that she's been responsible for. She's paying her boyfriend's law firm so that he will represent her as a special counsel. And then he's getting bonuses from that law firm, taking her on vacations. Uh, she supposedly paid him back. But again, there's no record of it. So it's a really convenient story. And it's really interesting to see how they do the same thing over and over again. Nancy Pelosi did the same thing, too. Nancy Pelosi took the information she knew about the stock market and she gave it to her husband 
and said, here's what you're going to buy. Here's when you're going to buy it. Here's what you're going to sell. Here's when you're going to sell it. And they made hundreds of millions of dollars. It's the same thing. She's taking money that is not hers and she's trying to figure out a way to manipulate it and launder it and make it look like it's legitimate income to her and her spouse and not just influence peddling. When you look at, we talked about this yesterday on the show. Somebody asked me about this and I said, look, there's another way that you can, the question was, why is it that politicians become corrupt? And why is it that they make these decisions based on uh, something other than what the constituents who sent them to Washington, D.C. wanted? For example, you vote for somebody because they told you they're going to vote this way. They get to Washington, D.C. and they vote some total different way. And you're like, what? WTF? Why did I even vote for you? You're a liar. You're a cheater. Well, you're not who I thought you were. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And the longer you you stay in Washington by de, uh, by design, the more corruptible, uh, corruptible, corruptible you become. One of the things that happens is, and I use this example, uh, you know, you take any industry, they have lobbyists in Washington, D.C., and the lobbyists need legislation to go one way or the other. So what they do is they have these large conferences. Um, they'll invite people who sit on a committee or legislators who they think may be able may be able to vote their way or who they could sway or who they think they could have some pullover or maybe they've given a com campaign contribution to. It doesn't matter. They invite all these folks to a conference. Now, to you and me, a conference is held maybe at a convention. Like I speak at a lot of conferences. People hire me and I come and I give a keynote and I kill, by the way. I'm a great keynote speaker. I'm funny. I'm I'm affable. I uh, come up with some great jokes. I offered great content and I, you know, I keep the crowd, I keep the crowd entertained and, and, and uh, it's a lively presentation. So if you ever need a keynote speaker, just email, well, just email, well, email Hannah and we'll get you the info. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, you know, a conference is in a, it's in a conference center. It's in a convention center. It's at a hotel, usually Orlando, Miami, Atlanta, some, you know, Vegas, places like that. Uh, uh. When these lobbyists want to influence your representatives that you sent to Washington, D.C. to represent you, what they do is they invite them to Cancun, Belize, Bermuda, Fiji. They rent out an entire private island. They put you up in a five-star resort. When you get off of the private plane that they flew you in on, you get champagne and caviar. You get free massages. Then there's a whole mud bath thing. Then there's the, the big party at night, the luau with bottomless tequila drinks. Then, you of course, you know, you do a little bit of meeting. There's like a couple meetings the next day, maybe over breakfast. And breakfast is the most exotic blowfish bacon you've ever had or whatever they're making. Then you do, then you do a day of paragliding and surfing. Maybe you just go back to the spa or you sit on the beach. It doesn't matter. You can bring your spouse if you want or your girlfriend or both. Um, and, you know, that's very, it's a big, and it lasts like four days. And you come back and you're hungover and you got a suntan and you're just like, this was the most amazing experience of my life. And of course, you're going to want to go to the next conference next year because they promise it's going to be even better. And so you become addicted to the lifestyle that is offered by these special interest groups. Now, of course, you only get invited. You only, this is the key. The first time they bring you along, they show you the conference. They say, this is great. The next time you only get invited if you vote the way they want you to vote. And if you don't vote the way they want you to vote, you ain't going to the conference. And a lot of people get addicted to that lifestyle. It's part of the prestige of being in Washington, D.C. It's part of being a VIP, an elitist, part of the in crowd. It's what they, they don't, and some of them realize it when they run for office. Some of them don't realize it till they get there. But you become addicted to this kind of uh, treatment. 
and you believe you've earned it and you believe you deserve it and you'll do whatever it takes to keep it. And if that means lying to the people that put you in office in the first place, so be it. If it means becoming a taker instead of a maker, so be it. And that's why you'll notice most of the makers in the Republican Party are wealthy people who made their money before they became politicians. And as a result, they govern very differently. Donald Trump is a great example of this. Didn't go to Washington, D.C. to become rich. Didn't go to Washington, D.C. to get any kind of to take money from the taxpayers, take money from the lobbyists, take money from the donors and try to launder it into some kind of mechanism that makes it seem like legitimate income. He didn't do that. He had the money when he got there. He has less now, but still plenty to go on. Rick Scott from Florida. When, when he became governor of Florida, that guy was already filthy rich. He was a wealthy businessman. He went to become governor. Now he's a senator. And he's not one of Mitch McConnell's crowd. He's not begging Mitch McConnell for money. He's not an uh, acolyte of Mitch McConnell. In fact, he's Mitch McConnell's biggest adversary. He thinks he should be the minority leader. And he's been putting together a coalition of senators who he wants uh, to get behind him because he's not governing the way Mitch McConnell governs. He's not governing for cash. He's not governing as a taker. He's governing as a maker. And makers govern in a way to make other people makers, not they, not like takers who take stuff from the people who make stuff and make it harder for them to survive. Um, and that's where, and that's what Fannie Willis is. And it's nice to see that Donald Trump has attacked her in this way and that his defense team didn't tuck tail and run. This is the thing about being a combative conservative. And we talk about this in the Patriot Manifesto. When you are a combative conservative, here's what happens. You fight back. You say, I'm a conservative and I'm not. I'm not scared to admit it. I'm a conservative and I'm proud of it. I'm conservative and that's the best thing to be. I'm a conservative and I'm going to go out there and tell other people to become conservatives as well. And when you get pushback, when you get people slamming you against the wall, when you, you get people taking your good name and raking it over the coals, when you get people mudslinging and in your face and calling you names and doxing you and trying to cancel you, you fight back. And so many conservatives for years did not do that. They thought that bad press was bad press. They thought that uh, a media smear was, was the only way to fight back against the media smear, smear was an, an apology, whether you were guilty or not. So many Republicans in the past have apologized for things that they didn't do because they were afraid of public opinion when they didn't realize that they could create public opinion on their own. Donald Trump realized that. A lot of other folks are realizing that. And what Fannie Willis has done now is... She is, she's been exposed by Donald Trump's defense team. And that is something that rarely ever happens, has never happened. And I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say it's never happened. It rarely ever happens, but I can't remember a single instance where a defense team decided to investigate the prosecutor for abnormalities, inconsistencies, corruption, and bring that up at trial as a defense mechanism. And it's working brilliantly. And it's something Fannie Willis wasn't prepared for. Something Nathan Wade wasn't prepared, uh, prepared for. The Democrat Party wasn't prepared for. Joe Biden. These people weren't prepared. Why? Because they always underestimate the ability and the desire of Donald Trump to fight back against people. This guy loves to fight. That's all he does. All he does is fight for what he believes is right. And when you're going up against people who are corrupt, it's not. It's, it's like they make it easy for him. It's like they make it easy for him. Anyway, we'll get to more of that on the Mark K Show a little later on today. That's very. I'm very excited about that. Also. This is really cool. This is something that's uh, happening later on today, just in a little while, actually. We have our brand new group. I mentioned it before, the American Conservative Entrepreneurs Society, or ACES for short. 
And uh, you, you, anyone who's listening right now who is American, conservative, considers themselves an entrepreneur or wants to, which means you're a business owner or you work somewhere or you want to start a side hustle or you've started a side hustle and you want to make it bigger, whatever your story is, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to accomplish, um, as long as you fit that criteria, you're invited to join us. And we've made it really easy. There's a website. It's acesaccess.com, acesaccess.com, A-C-E-S, access.com. And you can join ACES uh, and be part of our group. We're going to do a Q&A here in just a minute, a live Q&A. And then we do a motivational segment on Monday. We have all sorts of modules, business modules, and and uh, and ways to build your and market your business. It's really fantastic. And it's growing every, we're adding new stuff and new members all the time. Acesaccess.com. Keep listening, keep liking, keep sharing, keep fighting. Uh, we'll be back next week with all new episodes of Marquee Saves the Republic, because if you're listening, and you're sharing, and you're believing, and you're working, and you're fighting just like the rest of us are, then I know that this year, in November, when it comes time to decide the fate of this country, we are going to make the right decision. We are going to win. We are going to save the republic.